when it gets about me, I get a bit weird, and mm-hmm. um, I'm still trying to I'm get, trying to get better at that. But but yeah, in to in truth, it's um yeah, I just love. I would easily I'd be just as happy playing with a paper bag over my head, <laughs> as long as I'm kind of. I just love when I make when I when I'm when if I can play something that that an artist really loves and and it adds to their especially if they're original artist um, and it moves them and or it inspires them to do something or makes them feel safe. Yeah. I'm Ren McDonald and this is the Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Initiative. Thanks for joining me if it's your first time and welcome back for anyone listening who's been here before. My name's Rin MacDonald, the host of the Hope Initiative and joining me on today's episode number 49, Kathleen Halloran. Kathleen and I crossed paths through working with a couple who would come to speak to in this conversation. Kathleen is an incredibly talented guitar player and really took up guitar at a young age but not knowing that it would shape her life like it is today. And in this conversation we unpack how she got into it how the love for it grew and how she became really one of the most talented guitarists that I've seen play live and someone who's getting a lot of recognition in this country uh, already. So thanks again to Kathleen for joining me in what is, I think, an incredibly valuable conversation. I hope you enjoy listening. And without further ado, here is Kathleen Halloran. Oh, and before I go... I just wanted to mention as well that it's Kathleen's birthday today, the 18th of June, the day this podcast is going out. So happy 25th birthday to you, Kathleen. Over to you. So Kathleen Halloran, welcome to The Hope Initiative. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. It's an honour. You're welcome. It's uh, it's really fun to to be here in uh, your little pad here in Elstonwick. Yeah. Yeah. I um, am very, very lucky to be here. Out the back of my good mate, yeah, Kate, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, Love it. We'll talk a little bit about that soon, but that's sort of how we met. Um, yeah. So I've started working with Lee Rogers about three months ago. The legend, yeah, legendary Lee Rogers, uh, and he is the husband of the legendary Kate Sobrano, yes, the, the Aussie singer. And you have lobbed up here with her. Yeah, we became really good friends about two and a half years ago when I was in a like a house band. And she was one of our amazing guest artists. Mm. And we'll, we were both in a rehearsal room with about 25 other people and we just instantly hit it off. And we've been best friends ever since, really. Wow. From that first day. That's cool. Where, whereabouts was, was that, like two and a half years ago? What, where were you playing? We were playing, the gig was at Hamer Hall yeah. with um, a group, an all-girl orchestra called Spire Ensemble. Okay. And, but we met in a rehearsal room in Brunswick called The Wick. Yeah. Wick rehearsal room. Yeah, that's where we that's where we had that little moment. Yeah, right. um, rehearsing one of her tunes called "Beautiful Life," right. which is yeah the first song we ever played together. And there's a a really cool guitar solo in it. Yeah. And I learned it. I list, I studied the song for ages, and I learned the guitar solo. And um, she was really impressed by it and picked me up. 
Wow. <laughs> Put me in her little bag and took me. <laughs> took, took me on ride. a ride. <laughs> took you on a ride. You're still on the ride, right? Yep. Yeah, so two and a half yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's cool. You're a guitarist? I am a guitarist. Yeah. I do my best. You do your best. <laughs> I've heard you play. You've, you're <laughs> extremely talented. But again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But one thing I like to do with people on this podcast, because a lot of people I talk to are strangers, and whilst we've sort of been around each other a little bit, I've been lucky enough to work on the Kate and Friends uh, live shows when they were on a few months ago, or what, last month? You guys did nine, yeah. nine weeks nine in weeks. a row. Yeah. Which is pretty epic <laughs> in, the, in the living room here. Yes. But um, I would like to ask, because we're s- sort of, I mean, really just acquaintances, like we've, you know, know each other a little bit, but it's really just for me working with Lee in the past few months and you knowing Kate for two and a half years and now living here, yeah. that we've come and crossed paths. But I'd like you and also for the listeners to and this is a bit of a challenge, but to give us your life story, starting with oh. your first memory. And I like to challenge people and go try to do it in three minutes or less. Oh. So pick out the really important bits and then I might life story. pick from there. But start with your earliest memory. And maybe to help, I don't know if it will help, but when was the first time maybe you picked up a guitar or remember music being involved in your life? Okay. Well, I'm... Um I'm the youngest of nine kids. That's wow. that's a pretty big point to make. Huge. So I grew up in a in a really busy big household with um yeah, lots of crazy things happening, lots of always busy things to do, always um games to play and things to explore. Mm. I didn't pick up music until I was a bit older. Um when I was about 10, my one of my older sisters had a a boyfriend at the time who was uh, I wouldn't say, looking back, he wasn't the greatest guitarist, but he was a, a, a massive music fan yeah. and he had a guitar and, and I, I thought he was very cool. Mm. And so he sparked the interest for me, I have to say. Yeah. And he got me into music like The Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and that, all that kind of old school stuff. Yeah. And then about, not for about two years, then I actually started guitar lessons just when I started high school. Yeah. Um, and I went to a school that had a pretty good music program. And so the first day I got to pick an instrument um, and I chose guitar. And I started guitar lessons yep. with my teacher who is now one of my best friends. Um, we just, again, hit it off and started playing together. And then when I was about 15 or 16, we started playing in bands together outside of school. He took me under his wing and... Um, and invited me to play in his just in his cover bands. Yeah. What was his name, sorry? Steve Hobbs. Steve Hobbs, okay. And what was the school? Clonard College. Okay. Yeah, so um, I've been very fortunate, actually, if I have to talk about my musical life. Look, mm. um, I've always met the right person at the very right time mm. who's just lifted me to the next phase. Right. And he was the first one for me. Um, first week of high school, bang, Hit it off. Um, yeah, so I continued with him for five or six years. Yeah. And the lessons were obviously um, invaluable, but it was the work experience. He gave me the first chance to actually experience what a life as a musician is, like doing a gig where you where you earn a bit of money from it and you actually get to experience the musician life, which I think is really crucial for anyone looking to pursue a career in music to have that to not get to in your 20s when you do your first paid gig because that's when you kind of 
really get a taste for it, I reckon. Yeah. So, where was I? <laughs> I don't know. You're about story. 15, but you said you were with Steve Steve Hobbs, right? Yeah, I was for, learning for about six, six years. Yep. Yeah. And I'm giving you my music life. Is that okay? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's real for you? And then, so I kind of just cruised through school. I wasn't really phased by much. I, I did okay academically, but I was just always music. Mm. And everyone around me knew that and they were... They were really cool with it. Mm. And I look back now and I'm like, wow, I got away with so much Mm -hmm. just from purely people recognising my passion. But very grateful for that at my school. And uh, so I got through high school and then I went and studied at Australian Institute of Music. Um, And I was there again, first day of uni, met um, Darren Fruger, who's now the drummer in my trio. Um, He was my ensemble teacher. And then bang, hit it off. He's now also my, one of my best friends. Yeah. And then he just took me to that next level of, um, of you know, he's one of the greatest drummers the country's ever had. Right. And he's played with everyone, B.B. Um, King to um, Kate Sobrano, <laughs> <laughs> to everyone. Yeah. Um, and he was in the Hey Hate Saturday band wow. for, for, for always, like back, back in the day and then when it came back. Yeah. And so he just, I was just like this sponge and that was probably when I was the most impressionable yeah. at that age. What were you then, like early 20s? Uh, 19. 19. And yeah, I was just this sponge and I just started hanging out with him. We became pretty good friends pretty early on and, and just I just soaked up everything he had. Um, and I still remember we just used to chat for three or four hours just about music and the industry and, and what I, what my goals were in in music industry and... And, yeah, so that was AIM. And then I was there for – I wasn't there for long and I actually deferred to um, do a tour. A, an opportunity came up to go to China with, um, with a, like, a 10-piece band to wow. do a bit of a – it was, like, two months travelling all around China. Yeah. Like, 21 cities, um, over 20 shows. Wow. And, and I was just so excited yeah. by that. And so I, I deferred uni to do it. Yeah. And that was an amazing eye-opening experience mm. in many ways. Um, I was the only female in the whole um, oh. team wow. of close to 20 people. So oh. as, a, as a 19-year-old, that, that definitely was a huge eye-opener. Mm. And um, reality hit about what it's like to be a female in the industry yeah, why do you think you were the only female? Like, well, I don't know. I don't think it was a deliberate mm. choice not to to have females. I think sure. probably um, there just wasn't. Well, the person who booked who booked the band maybe just didn't um, didn't know any others or yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I certainly knew other female musicians who would be up for it, but yeah, sure. Um, I think. I think if it happened, I think now there'd be a lot um, higher representation in something like that. But yeah, that's good. But I, I, the bonus was I got my own room, so that was good. <laughs> but yeah, definitely I learned a lot of lessons and had a big reality hit about um, – because up until then I actually hadn't con- thought about it, that I was – gender hadn't been something that I had – was on my mind at all. Yeah. And that's thanks to the mentors I had around me. They didn't really put attention on it right. as being something that was um, not common. Right. And so it was that experience that I was like, wow, 
this is um this is this is hard and that so I'm really glad that I um had that experience yeah and survived and <laughs> <laughs> yeah certainly yeah it was um there was a four four stage so four main singers at the front mm. like a all all guy group and um a 10 piece band and then stage crew and lighting sound and and all of that and yeah I was the only female wow. as an and as a 19 year old I'm sure you can imagine it was yeah and I was very very, very I'm still very shy but I was really really shy then yeah more shy and yeah it was a big big learning experience for me yeah that one and so yeah I did that and I got back um are you bored yet <laughs> absolutely not got back from that and I didn't actually go back to AIM, Australian Institute of Music, because I got accepted into the VCA, which is like a jazz, more jazz and improvisation focused course. And that's actually what I wanted to do from the start. And so I tried again um, after a year of of being at AIM and doing that tour and I was successful, so I was accepted into that course. And so I went and started there and did... um, and did my the three years there, yeah. and loved it. Really loved it. Um, had the the best, um, made the best friends there, and had the best collaborations with people. Again, met more um, uh, people in the industry who who were mentors to me, mm. and gave me just a wealth of just so generous, just sharing everything yeah. um, with their students and. Um, yeah, I worked. I worked pretty hard through that period, yeah. and um, and also did more tours um, back and forth with, to China. Actually, right. during that time, um, that's cool. I think I've gone over three minutes. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I did three more trips to China with the same company. Yeah. In that time, so I I kind of took a little bit longer. Um, no, I didn't. I managed to somehow. Um, cheat my way through completing all of my stuff. Mm. Um, and then um, and then uh, after that, I, I just th- – actually, the third year of uni, there was a natural trans- transition for me to, like, more gigs. So that's the time that I met Kate. It was in my third year of uni yeah. at that time. Again, right place at the right time mm. with Kate. Um and so there was this really natural transition for me from uni because I know it can be really hard for uni students who have graduated with a music degree mm. to actually launch themselves into something. Right. And so, um, God, I was so fortunate. Um, that, And that was that really, if I had to pinpoint a really life-changing moment, the China thing was, was, was similar, like a great – was um, – Called me a lot of lessons, yeah. but that gig that I did with Spire Ensemble, which um, Zanny Kolak, who's a really incredible violinist, um, sent me a text. We didn't know each other, but I'd been recommended um, by Darren Fruja, who's yeah. that drummer, drummer from earlier in the story. Um, he put me up for this gig, and and Zanny took a chance on me. She didn't know me. I was really I was much younger than everyone else. Yeah, was uh, twenty two, yeah. I think. Um. And she got, gave me a message and said that she's putting together this all-female band at Hamer Hall with all these amazing guest artists like Kate. 
and she's looking for a guitarist. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and I was just like ecstatic. I could not believe it that 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 I had that chance to um, even be up for something like that. Yeah. And um, so I worked really hard preparing for that, like it was the last gig I was ever going to do, and um, and that was a really life changing experience. And everything Zanny was trying to do with that project with putting female artists up there that people hadn't seen before and giving them that chance to to for people to actually see that there are out there and they're playing and they're talented that that whole orchestra was incredible mm. and we all work together still in not in that female orchestra but just putting together bands now there's a massive pool yep. of female talent that um people can can look to and everything Zanny um wanted to achieve from from putting that together I totally felt all of those effects on me yeah. and I'm so grateful always so grateful to her for um that chance to to be there the chance to um for the opportunity and then uh, and then when Kate and I had that connection that was like the next level of that of where I actually got to grow so much just from from being around Kate and listening to her talk about her career and her stories and her experiences um yeah it just supercharged me yeah from there and um yeah I was just never the same again <laughs> Just that one moment could can just shape you. Yeah. And yes, it I has. don't know if, if Zanny happens to be listening. I owe so much to her, and um, yeah, thank you so much for for and I and it's the same for everyone in that orchestra. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just a game changer. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You girls will have to do your own tour through China, hey? <laughs> take take one guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but, awesome. So then, yeah, so. I uh, got sidetracked, but I was trying to say that that year was that was my third year of uni, mm. and so when that that gig happened and my world just exploded and I and I and I saw all this, I actually saw a career for myself, mm. um, and I kind of um, just started doing things and I started people started asking me to do more gigs and yeah I just more opportunities came in and I was working harder than I ever before. Um, I was more inspired than I ever before, and I had more confidence than I'd ever had before. Yeah. And so that year I spent, I gigged heaps that year, like every weekend, and you know probably at least three gigs a week, just various like random stuff. Yeah. Uh, from musical theatre to to jazz and pop and um, cover bands, and I just yeah whatever. I was just so excited. Immersed yourself in it. Yeah, and it created a really natural transition for me into being a professional musician because mm. um, then um, when I had finished I actually never graduated because I never um, I never finished there was one thing I didn't finish and I've, I've been meaning to go back and do it but it was the reason why I didn't finish was because I had all the I had um, quite significant um, performance opportunities in to, to go out and yeah and I couldn't make it I couldn't juggle it Sure. And I chose the the, the performance experience. Right, um, I do correctly, to, so right. I do intend to go back, <laughs> but um, but that means it meant that I would I was like I'm still rolling from that time, and I haven't stopped yet. Like I've been able to yeah to um, f- 
to just naturally transition into the work, into the gigging scene, which I'm really, really grateful for. And again, right place, Zanny and Kate both, right place, right time, spreaky. That's um, awesome. Yeah, so grateful. It's interesting how that happens. Like I can draw a lot of parallels from what you've just talked about. Like I started this podcast start of 2019 and you know now I'm working alongside a guy like Lee mm. who whilst he has never created a podcast or anything he's created a lot of you know media he's created movies ads like incredibly talented guy and I know you know a lot about him and his work but it's like when you jump outside of your comfort zone and you know you you sort of describe yourself as being a shy person mm. but you know you just let that roll then and it was great like you know, you speak really well about your life and it's it's interesting to hear you reflect on those things. You know, you mentioned there are a few moments that were quite pivotal when you mm. met Kate, when you met Zane, Zan? Zanny. Zanny, yeah. sorry. Um, so those are two moments, but I want to go back to your sister's boyfriend who yeah. was the guitar player. You said you thought he was cool and I guess he played the guitar, so that sort of led you to that. But I've seen you play and... The talent that you have is, I, I don't know, I feel like if I didn't know that, you would have maybe picked up the guitar at the age of two and you had oh, parents that's who... That's very generous of you. you. <laughs> no, seriously. And I'm not musically talented in any sense. But, like, do you feel that, you know, you picked it, picked it up, what, when you were a teenager, right? Or were you a bit younger? Yeah, when I was 12. 12. I was, right. 13 when I started lessons. Right. Yeah. So... You know, can you maybe recall the exact moment where you, you know, picked up the guitar for the first time or played a chord or, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, but at this stage I didn't know anything and I was just um, – I just put music on mm. and I had a guitar and um, like those – like a crazy busker you might see in the city, I was just like smashing it with – Strumming it, no no chord or anything going on with my left hand. Yeah, just just strumming. Yeah, and because I didn't know how to do anything, and I was yeah, I was twelve. Right, and um, I made a whole album. Oh wow! <laughs> when I was twelve with my brother. Yeah, of just doing that, um, strumming, because I didn't know any chords. I didn't even try it a lot. I don't know why. Looking back, I didn't even tr- give it a go to learn a chord. <laughs> but I I made this whole album that's absolutely hilarious that I've still got. Oh, awesome! Of all original songs <laughs> of just of just me um yeah bashing away at the guitar yeah. and singing or screaming yeah. singing screaming <laughs> and um yeah that's my earliest memory but oh. yeah no no chords or anything i don't if, i don't think i thought that I, it was possible that i would be able to learn a chord but i didn't even try right. um but yeah so that was when i was 12 or yeah. maybe even 11 wow. um, and the guitar came from my brother-in-law yeah. the one that he learned of not that he didn't really learn at all he I think he had a handful of lessons yeah. and he had this kind of cheap nylon string guitar that he bought over we me and my brothers inherited um, and yeah we we just bashed around on it yeah and and we just continued doing I just continued doing that until I started high school and then I had lessons yep. and that's when that's when I started learning chords and I learned how to a little bit of reading I kind of 
um, taught myself how to read later on yep. out of necessity. Um, but yeah, just I just was mostly interested for those first couple of years in just learning chords and learning songs, and jamming along to songs at home with with headphones in. And right. Yeah. So you you teach people now? I do. Yeah. Yeah, your guitar teacher is amongst a few of the things that you do. So how do you go about teaching guitar? Can you talk me or walk me through that process? Yeah. Like, is it very organic in terms of how you started? I should shut up and let you talk. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is in the way that I, I have very vivid – I remember exactly how I felt when I discovered that music clicked for me and and I remember how driven – how much – I don't know if purpose is the right word, but just I, I knew exactly what I wanted to learn. And I think, um, I think well, music is a very personal thing mm. and the, I teach in two schools and so – Students have a choice whether they want to learn an instrument or not. It's not something that they have to rock up to, like a maths class or a science class. They've actually chosen, um, they've chosen, and they're paying to learn. They're paying extra to learn. Yeah. And so, the first lesson, I always try and tap into the reason why they've chosen to be there. Yeah. Um, some people, some students don't um, give it to me very easily mm-hmm. why they want to learn, but um, I love it when I have a student. Can can tell me they can identify exactly why they want to learn, yeah. and and I can see I see myself in a lot of students, and I get really excited by that because I I have very vivid memories of what it felt like, yeah. and um I guess my main thing I try to do is to just make it a really personal experience. Yeah. I don't I don't try and fit one method on on everyone. Sure. Yeah, I I try and. Tap into what their interests are. I always try and learn repertoire that, that they like, yeah. songs that they like, um, whatever bands they're listening to. Um, so I'll always be working on repertoire and using that kind of using that repertoire to find to find things that they can then work on that is like technique or kind of like eating your vegetables. <laughs> trying to find goodness in in the repertoire that they're interested in yeah. and trying to magnify that and work on that. Um, yeah, but yeah, just trying to personalise it as much as I can to yeah. what their interests are. That's cool. Do you see any common threads with your students on why they want to learn? Um, well, I get a lot of ones that are just trying it out because to be honest with you, in, in high schools, a lot of, a lot of kids do just, um, give it a go. Yeah. And some don't stick around very long, yeah. and that's those ones. But yeah, the biggest one is just they're they're crazy about a band or an artist, or they've been inspired. They've had an experience that's inspired them. They've seen a band live, yeah. which is my favorite. Mm. Um, I love knowing that, and um, those are the ones that are really driven, and they, they have a curiosity that um, teaches them a lot more than I ever could. Wow, yeah, that's cool. So for you then, growing up, you know, you started playing 11, 12. Who was some of your, you know, mentors? You, uh, you obviously mentioned a few people there, but maybe inspiration. Did you have bands, pop stars? Yeah. yeah. I used to love, um, obviously, the Beatles yeah. and that kind of um, James Taylor, Neil Young, yeah. that kind of thing. And then I went through a stage of just, I loved Radiohead. Okay. They were 
they were my absolute favorite band. Yeah. And I just yeah, I'd learn all their songs. I'd I'd listen to an album every day. Yeah. Um yeah, and then I I don't know what happened to that obsession. It just kind of died away <laughs> the more um when I started studying music, I got exposed to a lot more music, I guess, and I sure. got um but yeah, back in my teens, oh, and Tommy Emmanuel. Okay. Actually, I was really really um um inspired and obsessed with the fingerstyle acoustic thing that was my thing can you explain that a bit sorry yeah so uh acoustic guitar that isn't just kind of strumming chords it's you play the melody and chords and and sometimes percussion as well at the same time okay and tommy manuel was my hero for that right and um i just spend hours every night just um learning different arrangements that he's he'd done of tunes and and yeah that was my that was actually my thing all through high school. Wow. Yeah. So hours every night then, because that's one thing that I sort of reflect on now as a 27-year-old. I remember spending my high school days um, and maybe hours at night on the PlayStation playing FIFA. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big soccer fan. Um, and I'm quite good at FIFA to this day. Not, not, <laughs> not too many of my mates can beat me, but it's not a, it's not a skill that I can go and, and say teach, you know, kids or or elevate my career like I'm not interested in esports if you know what that is like playing online yeah. against people like it's yeah. a bit of a thing now but and like all the best of people who are because it is sort of cool <laughs> that that exists but for you like what were your weeks like as as a young person growing up did you spend hours upon hours playing and listening or were you out socializing were you yeah what did it look like uh hours and hours playing yeah yeah from when I was I think it I had a like a something just clicked in me when I was about fifteen, and that's when from fifteen to eighteen, just hours and hours yep. every night. Nothing like I wasn't trying to be the best at anything, and and looking back, I kind of really wish I spent more time working on particular things that I was really lacking coming out of school because I was purely just for the love of the fingerstyle guitar thing. Yep. And I was just I just amused myself with that, and I didn't really need much much else. And I would go and um, play it because I was really shy, obviously, as I said. Yep. And I I didn't sing, and so I'd the fingerstyle guitar was a way that I didn't have to sing because I was playing the melody on the guitar. Right. And so I could go to nursing homes on the weekend and put on a concert for the residents just with my guitar. No singing. I didn't even talk. I didn't even introduce the songs. I just p- kind of played mm-hmm. for about half an hour. Um, and that was really – that was just my whole world, just just learning that. And so, yeah, looking back, I wish I was more adventurous and I wish I – I didn't pick up an electric guitar till I was um, 18. Okay. And looking back, I wish I, I had the – I guess – I guess I, I wish I knew what I knew now and I wish I had worked on – um, some electric guitar techniques and building that up because that was I was really a late comer to that, sure. but I don't regret. I I just loved my time as as a teenager. I I, I managed to stay out of any drama. I, I was just kind of, you know, I was just in my own little world, yeah, my little bubble. That's cool. I think it's a good sort of segue to talk about your family. You mentioned the youngest of nine, yeah, which is absolutely huge. I'm the eldest of seven. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. My parents are divorced, so 
they're not all under the one house, not from the same parents, but it's fine. It's something like I'm super proud of. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like a, a blessing having four parents in a sense, and then eight yeah. eight grandparents from there. It's sort of how <laughs> I grew up. Lots of aunties and uncles and cousins. Mm-hmm. But for you, you know, the youngest of nine. You know, you s- sort of mentioned there that you, you know, didn't get into any sort of trouble or anything like that. How much do you think that was you growing up and maybe, you know, conditioned by your family and being the youngest? Because I know that for me, the youngest in my family who's 12, Amelia, mm. who has been on the podcast, episode number two, <laughs> if oh, anyone okay. wants to listen to that, the prodigy. Um, but, like, she is, like, protected. We, like, worship her. Like, that's my nickname yeah. for her, the prodigy. Uh-huh. So how do you feel like your life was growing up? And I don't know, maybe talk to the age difference. Like, how old was the eldest? Or like the age Yeah, difference 15 between? when I was born. So she's 15 years older than me. Okay, that's the exact same with mm. me. Yeah, I'm 15 years older than Amelia. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually feel like that is a big reason. Like, I've always felt older than what I am. Yeah. Um, that's one thing, but... I, I kind of just saw what – I was never um, enclosed in in school drama or, or, like, teenage drama because I saw what life was, like, the bigger picture. Yeah. Like my siblings were out working and I, I kind of was exposed to normal, real life and I wasn't too phased by the, the, um, the day-to-day drama of being a teenager, yeah, I think. Right. And that definitely has to do with just, yeah, just always older people around and always – bigger picture and bigger problems at hand than um, than what makeup you're wearing or what, what shoes you're wearing. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And can you think of maybe, say, a favourite memory? I mean, you've got eight siblings, so I'm not going to ask you to pick your favourite sibling. <laughs> 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 but, like, is there a moment that sort of, you know, because I, I, I can understand growing up with a lot of older people and that really maturing you much faster than, say, others some of your friends perhaps but was there one mo- was there one moment that maybe stands out above the rest like a so like a highlight yeah. or a, a learning however you want to answer yeah either well the best memory i had was when i was 10 and we the whole family went away because obviously we didn't get to go on many holidays when we were younger we had um you know my parents actually my mum was always a stay-at-home mum and my dad was a teacher. So wow. we were we were all kind of kept alive on one teacher's income. That's wild. But it worked. I mean, yeah. I was I never had attention on missing out on anything and yeah. I don't think we missed out on anything. I don't know how they managed to do that, but yeah. it's a real credit to them for making for making that work. But yeah, yeah holiday we definitely didn't have many holidays and um we had a Big family holiday to Queensland when I was 10. Everyone was there, all my siblings. And my grandma was there and my, my parents. And it was just the most perfect memory of – and I've just been trying to recreate it ever since. And I don't think – I don't know if I can recreate the, just the innocence and the – yeah, just first time on a plane, mm. um, just being all together and first experiences for many things. Um, yeah, I'd love to recreate that somehow now to get because it's so hard to get everyone. You'd know, mm. so hard to get everyone in one room totally. at the same time. Yeah, it's, um, and I mean we're not allowed to be in the same room right now because of the restrictions. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's too many of us still. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was I just love that moment very much. 
yeah. just all being together. And um, yeah. Um, and learning. I just think my parents just are just the the were the my best example of of just of the people the person I want to be. They just lived such a great, um, you know, super, super. They were just. I don't think you could raise that family if if you were at all um uh self kind of not self absorbed self absorbed but just just a comp- like they just had to 100% for others right nothing for themselves and um yeah they taught they've just taught me so much um just from being around them and they're my greatest teachers I've ever had yeah that's cool yeah I love them <laughs> yeah I can tell that's really nice thanks for sharing all that yeah we've talked about sort of pivotal moments but i want to talk about obviously music is a massive thing in your life i would say it's sort of how you define yourself right yeah um what does like music do for you like the creative process like for me soccer is a big thing podcasting the sort of last 18 months and, and I feel like creativity is something that when I was a bit younger I didn't really have as a part of my life, but I've mm. been lucky enough to really, like, tap into it and mm. it's helped me in many ways. But what do you think it does for you? Music, the, the biggest gift music um, gives me is, is a channel uh, for me um, to help others to, and to serve others. Um, it's interesting when I've started my own, fronting my own trio, playing my own music and running it, and um, I, I get really uncomfortable in that, and I kind of do it for that for the reason that I'm uh, to try and um, grow in that way a little bit more. Yeah. But me at my happiest and my most um, feeling I've uh, kind of fulfilled the most yeah. is when I'm standing behind an artist that I really. Um, really believe in and um, really want to give something to yeah. and I'm I'm able to play some, something that that makes them feel safe and supported on stage to then um, transport into the, a room of people who are who um, who are really moved by it yeah and being a part of that experience where I can provide a service to someone else yeah uh, or to an audience as well. Like, um, I just get blown away when when some people come up to me after a show and and say how moved they they were. To even sometimes it might be just to see a female guitarist on stage, or sometimes they might point out something that I did that that they loved. And and to me, that's that's um, when I'm at my most happiest when I'm able to actually to do something for others with music and music yeah. is my the best way that I can come up with that I can but the best channel for me to do that yeah. right now um but yeah when I'm uh when it gets all the when it gets about me I get a bit weird and mm-hmm. um I'm still trying to I'm get, trying to get better at that but but yeah in to in truth it's um yeah I just love I would easily – I'd be just as happy playing with a paper bag over my head as long as I'm kind of – I just love when I make – when I'm when – when if I can play something that 
that an artist really loves and, and it adds to their, especially if they're original artist, yeah. um, and it moves them and, or it inspires them to do something or makes them feel safe. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> I really like that. It sounds like throughout your life, music has been a really positive experience. Mm-hmm. But has there ever been a time where you've hated it? A period of time where you really struggled maybe to make the next step or, you know, just felt felt down on on the sort of the journey that you were on in, in learning guitar and learning yeah. learning music? Yeah, I've never I've never I wouldn't say I hated it, but the China the first China experience definitely introverted me a lot. Yeah. And I was already very introverted. Right. Um so that was a moment where I I uh, doubted myself a lot, not necessarily my um, yeah. I guess I doubted whether or it's what I want to. If that's the kind of conditions I I I doubted whether or not I would be strong enough right. to um to face it and to front to um to expose myself to to some of that the realities of being a female musician yeah. and uh definitely definitely moments of that night I um I got back and I was pretty pretty uh not necessarily down on music but just very self-conscious hated being on stage yeah. um was very happy playing in a pit like for musical theater or something like that but very self-conscious on stage right um, so that that was a little period. Are you still like that now? Really self conscious on on stage or on camera, for example, like when it was Kate and friends. Not really self conscious, but it's um definitely it's not natural for me yet. Yeah, and and I've I've been doing a lot of work on that, and it's getting. Uh, I wouldn't say it's not natural, but it just it wasn't natural in the beginning. So it took a lot of work yeah. for me to come out of my shell and mm. um. Yeah, just f- – but now I actually love it. Mm. I love and, – and Kate's been really amazing mentor in that way because she's the queen of <laughs> of stage presence and stagecraft. Yeah. And she's helped me a lot and she's she's given me moments. Um, she's set me up to win. Like she's put me on a, on a big stage and made me safe. She's done all those things that I, that I want to do for other people mm. and, that's, and she did that for me. So she's made me – she's set me up to win and grown my confidence yeah. hugely. So so now I'm at the, I'm at the point where um, I really enjoy it and, and I'm seeing the bigger picture now, like I'm seeing the other side from the audience thinking much more about their needs and rather than just my own – just my own um, being self-conscious about being there. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess that period, that experience just made me super aware of, of certain things. And put my attention on um, probably um, things that weren't very um, constructive right. for me, but yeah, I I worked through that. I guess just by um, I always put a lot of insecurities into just practice, um, practicing more and getting better. The more knowledge, the less, um, the more confident you can be in what you can deliver, right? And your worth, yeah. I guess. So yeah, I'm just. I think we're all still trying to work through that, but yeah, mm. definitely much more comfortable now. That's awesome. 
I want to. I want. I do want to talk about Kate because I know she's been a big part of your life, and it was sort of how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to talk still about specifically guitar and learning and going through that process, what would your advice be to someone who wants to learn and is maybe struggling finding the motivation to persist? Because from my point of view, having never really picked up a guitar and actively tried to learn, it would be a hard skill to a, to a point. And maybe you could get really frustrated, and that could be a total assumption. I'm not sure, but yeah, what would your advice be? How would you maybe, you know, advise people to negotiate that um, period? Consistency, a little bit every day, like 10, 15 minutes every day. Um, push through. Uh, don't push. Don't if it's really hurting, like physically right. hurting. Um, don't go too hard, but but just try and. Keep going and and keep reminding yourself of why you want to learn. Um, put put your favorite album on, mm. and even like fake jam along to it, just to get you back in that zone of having fun with it. Having fun with it, yeah, yeah. When it clicks over to not being fun, um, yeah, something needs to change. I think, um, but consistency is is the key. And um. I go through this with my students all the time. S- some people, some students won't practice all week and will keep going around in circles. We'll do the same lesson every week because it'll just be lost. Yeah. Um, you can't, guitar's really hard. You can't just fake it. Um, but students who consistently go away and and um, have curiosity to go and further learn even more than what I give them in, in the lessons, um, they just they just fly. They really do. It's um, it's really like. It's no real secrets. It's just consistency. Cool. Yeah. I like it. I think that's. And like have fun. Have, right. Have have a high purpose for it. Mm. That's cool. I think I think it's so true for a lot of things in life. Like if you can just show up consistently. Yeah, it speaks to a lot of yeah. what I'm trying to do. Like with this podcast, there's been a few periods where I didn't ship any episodes. Didn't didn't release anything. You know, I had some personal things that I was dealing with in life, you know, job transitions and, and, you know, we had bushfires in Australia so not too many people wanted to talk at, at that time and there's been lots of, I guess, maybe excuses to not do the work but mm-hmm. like you say there, just 10, 15 minutes a day, whatever whatever you can do, yep. it all helps. Oh, right? Another thing is if you miss a day, don't just get back on. Like it's not over if you miss a day. Right. That's a big trap. It's like, oh, um. I've missed a day, so it's I'll just I'll just chill out and I'll get back into it next week. Right. I think two days missing two days in a row is um is no no. But right. you know if if you have like if it's your birthday or something and you miss a day, no worries. Just just start again tomorrow and it's yeah. fine. But as soon as you like let a couple of days go by, then it's kind of like you you've kind of lost your habit. I think. Yeah, yeah. I've, that's a really good. Really great point. I love that. Like, yeah, don't miss two days in a row. I've I feel like I've heard that somewhere, and it's so true. Like, because you can get so discouraged the fact that you missed one. Yeah. But you can just jump straight back on, right? Yeah. And don't let that bad habit potentially manifest into missing three days. Yep. A week, two weeks, a month, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Right. Consistency. Cool. So let's talk about Kate then. So you met her two and a half years ago. About two and a half years, maybe <laughs> even three years. <laughs> I'm sure she'll let you know if she listens. If she listens to this, <laughs> but um, 
I mean, we could take this so many ways, but I'm going to talk about sort of what I've experienced. You know, I, I came in sort of to their lives in the past few months when coronavirus hit. I was working with Lee. I started at this company at the start of March um, and, you know, was able to work a few days a week at his place. You know, it's still isolating, but, you know, somewhat working. But then in terms of the show, from what I saw, you were, like, helping to direct. And feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because I don't want to, like, <laughs> big you up too much or anything because, obviously, Kate Sobrano is a phenomenally talented artist. But from what I saw, you were very much, like, helping her show up and consistently do it because it, it was a tough time, right? And... Yeah, there's so much that I could talk about, but maybe can you like share what yeah. these past three months has been like, specifically working so yeah. closely with her? We definitely work really well together mm. and um, we both – we help each other out a lot. We both have different things that we can kind of contribute yeah. to the team. Um, I like a little um, uh, saying uh, we came up with, I keep our feet on the ground, she keeps our head in the clouds, mm. <laughs> um, which is pretty much – how it is, I mean, I, I do my, I help her out with, um, like, piano, a little bit of piano, and even, she doesn't need my help, though, because she's awesome, but even just um, going in there and, and saying, let's jam now, or or the act of having to do it, um, and yeah, throughout that, that period, there was always songs to learn, so I was, I was um, kind of writing up charts and, and helping her out that way, but... Um, and then in return, she's just, man, yeah, she's just done so much for me. And in, the, in this period too, even putting me out for something like that and um, giving me the opportunity to to um, musical music supervise something like that. Um, I've never music supervised anything before. <laughs> and she just made it, made it right and made it work for me um, and gave me so much... Gave me so much, pa- pa- not power, but just so much opportunity to win again. Wow. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think we're a good team. Um, we both help each other out and we both, we both want each other to, to win and wow. succeed. And, and I think we, um, we succeed in that <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is so yeah. cool. So for me... Working with Lee, Kate's husband, I had this perception before I started because I knew when I was coming into the job that he was there, sort of as the creative director at the company. Um, And I had this perception that because he was sort of at the top of his game in that field, that he would be, for lack of a better word, a bit of a cunt, right? (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I didn't really know, like, we had some, you know, mutual friends. Not, not, Not a cunt, that is the wrong way of putting it, but I felt like he would be like maybe a little bit standoffish or like because he was so competent and so good, I wouldn't be able to resonate with him. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And and I've told him this, so I'm sure he won't take offence to me saying that because it's to- the total opposite. Like he is possibly the nicest person I've ever met. And I mean, Kate goes along with that. Like they're an incredible yeah, couple. they are. But in terms of who they are, like, they're so talented and and so, like, you know, I'm sort of gesturing, like, they're there, they're at the top of their game. Yeah. 
what was your perception like when Kate sort of approached you to come and work? Like, were you, you know, in awe? Were you yeah, like... Yeah, I was totally in awe. Right. I was just, um, yeah, like a changed changed person. Like my, the, yeah, the whole, um, my world as a musician, as a female musician was just exploding. Um, and I was just, yeah, I just... I just knew she was such an awesome person, so kind, mm. um, so generous. Um, yeah, I never had that that any any like I kind of knew. I, that's what I thought of her before I knew her. Yeah. Um, my mum and I watched her sing with Gypsy at the carols uh-huh. like years before I knew her, and um, and we kind of based like before the gig, and I was. I was discussing with my mum all the artists that were on it and she picked her out and said, oh, remember when she sang at the carols with Gypsy? I, I bet she'll be the nicest one on the gig. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, so we both um, we both kind of considered her to be a really genuine, um, amazing singer. That's a given. But, yeah, um, yeah. so and then when you meet her and you realise that um, she's a, exactly that, and more, so generous, so always so inspired. Yeah. That was the biggest thing for me, actually. Um, when I met her, I was just so blown away by how inspired she was mm. to create. Um, at that time, she she invited me over for uh, Sunday sessions of her of music she was writing um, for the the Kilby album that was just released. Yeah, um, and I was so blown away by how someone who had 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 already experienced so much over 35 years and um had really um exp- had it all and still so hungry and so inspired to create new music and to to jam and yeah. to, to play music that was some, that was the biggest thing um that really took blew me away right. um the, that the drive and curiosity to, and the drive to still be somehow better um, to, to, to learn more things. Like she's, she's learning piano now and she plays drums. Um, just, yeah, constant constant curiosity to learn and grow that she has. Which, right. yeah. Probably sets those people at the top apart, hey? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. I just want to clarify as well, in case anyone got offended, I definitely don't think Lee Rogers is a cunt. <laughs> it was more just like, and you, you know, really touched on it. It's just, they are so giving. It's yeah. the total opposite. And I don't think it would be the case for everyone at the top of yeah. certain industries. Don't get me wrong, I think mm. people are basically good. Yeah. But it, for me, you know, if I see a sports star in the street or something or, you know, I'd get nervous and I... You know, because you see them on the TV and it's this weird thing, but yeah. it's like they're just humans. Mm. And these two particular humans, you know, I guess for both of us, they're sort of mentoring us in, in certain ways. But, um, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So thanks for sharing. No worries. All of that. So I've got a few questions to go, but I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you. Me too. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, you're my welcome. my first ever podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've done awesome. So I want to ask you Kathleen so what do you want your life to look like if you could have anything say in 10 years time 10 years time if there was one thing that would be five be a part of it 
I just want it, uh, to be honest, I want to obviously keep learning and keep being a better musician every day. Mm-hmm. But I want to put, put right now, I want to put my life in a, in a, in a um, bottle and keep it. Like I, I just I feel, actually, well, minus coronavirus. Actually, sure. I'm saying now, as in I'm thinking um, two months ago, what what my kind of lifestyle looked like. Yeah. Of um just living living my dream as a teenager of of being able to have so many um amazing, colorful, different experiences in music. A big thing for me is that I want to I want to be very varied. I don't want to do one thing. Um, so having a really varied career, I mean, I always, I say that because I just keep imagining that, that one day I'm going to wake up and it'll all be taken away from me because it just seems like such a dream. So I'd love to just have what Mm. I have now in a bottle and keep obviously being better, being a better player. I, if I was to go into what what I want to get better at in 10 years, I'd I'd be talking for hours. Um, I want to be a better jazz improviser i want to um be a better performer yeah, yeah so many things i want to be better at but in terms of what i want my life to look like mm. i love what it looks like right now yeah well pre-covid <laughs> um sure yeah still so seems like it's going pretty well though right yeah 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 well the, we had the kate and friends thing and things are starting to pick up now again so yeah i just want to i guess i want to i look at someone like kate who's had a um 40 year almost 40 years in music and mm. and all of my all of my really close friends like Darren and Steve and and um Kim May is another one they've all had such long um sustained careers yep. that have and they've just done everything just to to keep it going they've had to they know they've done theater and um they've done touring work and session work and all that kind of thing and that's that's what I want my life to look like so I just wanted to keep going. I wanted to end. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm sure it will. Now, on that sort of topic, one of the reasons why I wanted to start my own podcast is because I listen to a lot of podcasts where the guest would be a super famous, you know, whether it was a musician or a sports person or, you know, a business person, entrepreneur, where the host would ask, what would your advice be to your 30-year-old self? And the person who would maybe be in their 40s, 50s or whatever would reflect. And the answers were always along the lines. They were quite similar and, for me, not super applicable to the everyday person. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the Hope Initiative is stories with everyday people. Mm. And I want to know, you know, what my neighbour would think about that question or what my father would or, Mm -hmm. you know... Every everyday people. So my question to you, which is a bit of a reverse of that, because you're 25, what would your what would you like to give advice to your 55 year old self if you could listen Ooh. back to this in 30 years? If there was something that you could you could say. So I'm talking into the future. Yeah. 50 year old. Yeah. Uh don't forget who helped you and give back. Be generous. Um, uh, yeah. Look out for the 25-year-olds who are, who are looking at a way in, looking to create a career. Um, help them out. 
yeah, don't forget why you got into it. Beautiful. <laughs> I think it's really good. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Age well. <laughs> Age well. <laughs> well, how would you do that, do you reckon? How, yeah, I don't know. I have to start that now. That? Yeah. Keto, you've just gone keto. You told me before we started recording. Yeah, well, one day. <laughs> one, one day, day in. in. One I know day you, in. You, gave me, you gave me a jar of lollies and you said eight days before you go. I can't <laughs> eat them on keto. We're going for six weeks and we've, we're down one day. It was a good day. Yeah. Yep. Successful day. Beautiful. Still in. Still in the game. Love it. <laughs> Kathleen, this has been awesome. Is there anything you'd like to add before, before we go? Maybe let people know where they can find you. But yeah, if there's any like to add feel free oh you can find me on on instagram kathleen.halloran.music um other than that just thanks heaps for having me i've loved it yeah it's been a very pleasant first podcast experience so thank you yeah you're welcome great great guest really well spoken you said you were a bit nervous at the start but very I nervous sure very it's, nervous it's good i mean i was a bit nervous coming here obviously we'd known each other a little bit but i think Nerves are good, like you say, you know, getting out of that sort of comfort zone and pushing yourself is something Yeah. people probably need to do. Yeah. It's tough. Anyway, <laughs> great. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Nice. So there you have it. Episode 49 with Kathleen Halloran. Thank you so much to her for letting me into her space and sharing so much with me and sharing so much with you guys. It's uh, can be a nervous know thing for people she sort of expressed that but I think she spoke really well on her life and again for me it just reiterates that everyone has so much to give and so much to share if they're given the space and I'm lucky enough to have that opportunity with this podcast so if you enjoyed it if you enjoyed her story please get in touch let her know and share this with a friend share this on your socials however you know, it feels right for you that's how I want to grow this podcast. So if you're able to do that, that would mean a lot. Subscribe wherever you're listening and leave a rating. It would mean the world to me. And until next time, all the very best.